This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. By the book on BFM 89.9. Hello everyone, you're listening to By the Book. I'm Sharmila Ganesan and as always my fellow lover of beautifully written short stories, Lee Chui Lin. Hello. So we're very excited because today, uh, for this month's book club, we're actually reviewing Sheely Ko's latest collection of short stories. It's called Bone Weight and Other Stories. Now, Sheely, of course, is a celebrated Malaysian writer, primarily known for uh, the short story form. Her previous collection, The Sum of Our Follies, is often held up as a really great example of Malaysian writing. It's won numerous awards. So needless to say I was very excited about this one and at least for me it was such a great reading experience. Yes uh, I I think Bone Weight is really a uh, it's a lovely collection we can talk about this a little bit more but actually I think you could almost read it like a like a novel. Yes. In yes. some ways, um, a disjointed novel, admittedly, but there are recurring characters or at the very least there are recurring names and there are clear connections that are forged across certain stories. The way the stories are ordered also make it so that you see those connections quite easily and can draw a continuing thread from one story to the next. There are also a lot of overarching themes that I think several of the stories share. So it's quite an interesting experience experience because it doesn't really read like an anthology as such. It doesn't really read like just a collection. So that's actually an approach that she took in her in, in the Sum of Our Follies as well. But that one was a lot more intentionally cohesive, right? Because all the short stories revolve around different people who all lived in the same kampong. Um, and then in the end, you kind of see a picture that begins to emerge, which is why in many ways it was marketed almost like a novel. This one is not like that. Um, you use the word disjointed and, and perhaps a little bit of that might be intentional. Some of it, I think, also has to do with the fact that it's a collection of stories that were written at different points in time. And that were published elsewhere. Yes, yes. Um, I didn't mind it primarily because I think the... The, the stories are almost grouped together in a way where you'll often read like three or four stories with characters. So you hear one one side of something and then you might hear another side of something. Um, and then it kind of almost dreamily moves on to a different story. And then for a little while, you might be thinking, wait, is, it is this story related or is this something new? But there's a, there's a cohesion of theme. There's a cohesion of things like loneliness, um, trying to figure out what fairness might mean in the world, what uh, inclusion might mean in the world. Uh, That almost feels like they may not necessarily be about the same people all the time, but they are about people grappling with very similar things. In some ways, I think, uh, not to make it too high-minded, but I think that there is a, a sense of self-actualization that runs through the book. Um, so you mentioned loneliness, but I think it also has to do with people asking themselves in some ways, what am I? Who am I? What am I supposed to be? Where do I belong? Is this the place? Am I allowed to? And that's kind of, um, it's an interesting theme to have considering that on the one hand, you have some stories that are maybe a an obvious forum for that exploration. In other words, things like the foreign worker experience in the country. So that is is very clear. Um, the queer person in Malaysia, that also, I think, lends itself really well to, to this exploration of the theme. But then you've also got mythology. Um, 
you've got mythology, you've got a little bit of science fiction or at least speculative fiction. Uh, there's stuff that is set in a future of Malaysia that's really rather frightening. But they all still have that question of, am I, is this the life I'm meant to be living? Is this all there is? Is this the person that I'm meant to be? I'm glad you brought up the the notion of genre because I liked that the stories don't even try to commit to one genre, right? Is this magic realism? Is this science fiction? Is this fantasy? Um, doesn't really matter because in the end, it's actually about people. Um, and all of these stories, whether it might be about um, climate change and what that means for Malaysia, uh, whether it's about, like you said, mythology, um, about particular sorts of... Um, I don't want to say powers, but connections with other beings or other worlds. Um, it doesn't matter because everything feels very familiar. Um, as a Malaysian, as someone who um, has some of these lived experiences, is familiar with other people who might have these lived experiences, whether it's other Malaysians or people who live in Malaysia, um, the genre or, or the stylistic conventions of each short story is actually only the platform upon which these deeper ideas rest. Um, and I think I, the the feeling that I got as I went through this collection was a deep appreciation of what a good, skilled writer can do with even a very simple premise. So even a very... Okay, so a simple premise on the one hand, or on the other hand, uh, a kind of crazy premise or a premise that on paper might sound really um, not... Not not atas. I think what I mean is like a, an unbelievable premise or like, is that what the story really is about? But then when you read the story, you're like, oh, I really get it. So I, I didn't come into this with... I had high expectations because, of course, um, I, I think you introduced Shili Ko's work earlier and so therefore her reputation precedes her. So it's a little bit difficult to come into the book clean as such, you know, thinking that, oh, a first time author, <laughs> you know, wonderful. You're not necessarily going to have that coming in. So firstly, there's that. Um, but I did try as far as possible not to find anything out about the about the book prior to reading it I didn't pay close attention to the the contents the the list um the, the list of contents at the start, partly because I didn't want to have any anticipation or to spoil things for myself. So because of that, the experience of reading the book is very much what we've been talking about, which is that feeling of not knowing what's going to happen next, um, feeling in some sometimes very sad to leave stories. Um, mm, because yes. I, I think one of the things you're talking about in terms of that skilled what it means to be a skilled writer is also giving the story its due, which is to say, when it ends, it ends. Um, it may not end in a, a resolution that you feel is fair. Uh, it may not end in a resolution that was what you wanted. Um, it may be that a woman who has had grievous, like just suffered through a grievous assault, we leave her where we found her. Um, it may be that a family that was broken because of carelessness stays broken because that's what the story needs. Um, yes, actually, the we want 
we don't want to leave the space of the story something i felt with a number of things some because uh, especially with the more speculative stories uh, the world she paints even in a short story is so compelling that you want to know more right um there are a few post apocalyptic or pre apocalyptic stories set in malaysia that i kind of wished were whole novels because yes. the, the premise of it was so interesting but then like you said there are also those stories where the resolution is not neat um you want to see justice done or you want to see uh, a person who was deeply wronged get something you know um get some form of happiness but the story doesn't do that for you it doesn't easily say and then you know what everything was resolved because especially for those stories and i think the the title story bone weight is such a good example um the world is often harsh and the world is often much harsher to people who have very little and that's something that the book doesn't shy away from there are many stories that paint very dark difficult pictures of the malaysia we live in um and it doesn't shy away from saying there are no simple resolutions bone weight's also a good example of um the characters being in some cases very unlikable yes. um and i don't mean the the characters that the protagonist encounters i think actually one one of the themes um through this this collection is that you are frequently in the mind and body and forced to contend with the the decisions of characters that are fundamentally in some ways very unpleasant um the the lead character in bone weight is exactly like that really unpleasant um there are also other stories um for example what I think it's called Why I Say We're Cousins. Um oh the one with Nayan, the one with Nayan. Yeah. Um which again is not neat. Um not necessarily unlikable characters but very lived in characters that you might not understand or that you might fundamentally think ha huh. You know, ha, huh, that that feeling. The why I say we were, why I say we're cousins um kicks off a, a, a set of stories about nine in particular but also yeah. a few different characters that i found very difficult um everything about that story is difficult it, and and yet it feels real you know often when writers write about um people or communities or, or or parts of the country that maybe they're not necessarily from um i don't know enough about shili's background uh but there's a very lived in and 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 sincere quality about these stories yes uh, and that's very important considering that that set of stories is also the one are also the ones that can perhaps be most easily politicized yes yeah we are talking about shili ko's latest collection of short stories it's called bone weight and other stories uh it It has just been put out by Fixie. Let us know have you read it? Are you a fan of her writing? You can WhatsApp us 0187898899, tweet us at BFM Radio, write to us at bythebook@bfm.my. Be firmly motivated. BFM 89.9. Welcome back. You're listening to Buy the Book with Sharmila and Lynn. And for this month's book club, we're talking about Bone Weight and Other Stories, Shelley Coe's latest anthology of short stories. Um, so earlier we talked about um, the the general themes, the way in which um, she explores very Malaysian issues. I wanted to talk a little bit about her writing itself, mm-hmm. um, because right off the bat, the very first story. Um, kind of if you're not already familiar with her style of writing throws you into that kind of very lyrical poetic quality that Shelley's writing has um and that carries through right i mean 
not everybody has patience with a story that is too uh, with with writing that is very stylized or has a lot of um, imagery. But she manages to balance it out. I thought really well with stories that really demand that kind of storytelling. Oh, you know what's interesting? I didn't even notice the lyrical writing, which is not to say that it is it, it's not true. Um, it's just that. I found myself thinking while reading these stories um, just about how well written they were. Mm. Um, part of it is that I have an inclination towards magic realism anyway. Um, I have a lot of comfort and affection for the various genres that these stories are written in. Um, I love speculative fiction. I enjoy mythology. Um, I love feminist writing. You know, so there's a lot of stuff in here that um, maybe I'm very familiar with and and very comfortable with. And because of that, I actually just read the stories as... um Lyrical is such an interesting word. I don't know why I hadn't thought of it until now, because it's very true. Um, I just thought that the the amount of descriptiveness that the writing has was balanced out by very crisp prose. So because the sentences are so clean, you don't actually spend a lot of time going like, oh, I'm in the mud of the Amazon and it clung to me like chocolate <laughs> as it did in the factory when I was an Oompa Loompa. Like there's not that kind of quality to to the thing where you're transported, you know, around. Instead, it's it's crisp, I think. And thank God that that's not the kind of writing. <laughs> no, but you're I don't right. know that that writing gets published. <laughs> no, but actually that's exactly what I was trying to capture. And that's a compliment, no, that you can simultaneously find the writing beautiful, but the, the writing doesn't take you out of the story. No, no. Um, and, and I think actually the reason I brought up the, the, the lyrical quality is primarily because I read, I read this book in chunks. Um, and so I read the first few stories took a bit of a break, went back into them. So the very first story, which actually very simply describes the experience of someone losing their eyesight, mm. but through the idea of reading. Um, and that stuck with me for so long just because of the way it was written um, and a lot of its powers in the way it's written. Um, but then there are also other stories where you hardly notice how beautifully they're written, primarily because the... Not just it's crisp, like you said, but there is there's something about the way people speak to each other that feel real. So um, there's a story of um, a a chicken a chicken seller and his wife and their son who has migrated, um, and the way they speak to each other. Not just does it capture how real that sounds, but also all the things that go unsaid, right? And and there's something very um, memorable and it, it really gets under your skin, the way it's written. That one's called Golden Boys and, yes. and it is very, very good. Um, I actually took, um, so I read it all in off a piece um, and it's a very fast read. So I, I found myself so horrified and moved by uh, The Fountain, which is a story of a... Oh, that one's a difficult one. Yes. Um, I don't think I necessarily want to tell the story because it's it's best experienced. Um, but it is of essentially a woman um, who's trying to find her place in an urban setting, who's trying to find work and a home and who finds what she thinks is a safe place and then it isn't. And that one is... Um, I think in some ways what we're talking about, there is a creeping sense of dread. You begin to worry and wonder what's going to happen. So the story demands your attention. But 
um, it does also illuminate what is a very simple place in an urban setting, some, somewhere that we probably take for granted that we pass every day and don't give a second thought to. Um, and that story chooses to highlight it, chooses to make it sacred. And a lot of the heavy lifting there is done by the writing. And I think that story made me understand how the rest of the collection was going to be because that's when I was like, oh, okay. So this is who I'm I'm hanging out with. Um, this is the, the writer whose hands I'm in. All right, good. Let's go. I don't want to make it sound like every story is existential and no, pulls no, no. at your pulls at your gut, right? Because uh, while none of the stories are, are throwaway, um, there are many things, many things about the human experience that um, the the book manages to get at. Um, one of the ones I found myself quite unexpectedly thinking back to a lot was Waiting for Gunny, um, which on one level is actually really just the story of two fairly unlikely people who have developed a relationship centered around a woman waiting for the man she's seeing in the library. Um, and there's something very simultaneously sweet, but also quite scary about reading about what she felt while waiting for this man. Um, similarly, the story that closes off the whole collection is set in this um the world is about to end Malaysia and it's about a couple who basically decide how they want to spend their last days. And I thought it was the perfect story to end the collection with because the one that came before, Bone Weight, leaves you slightly, well, not slightly, quite hopeless. And then to close the collection off with a story that is about in many ways, um, the apocalypse. The apocalypse, <laughs> but also is weirdly hopeful in yeah. many ways. And, it's very and, loving. It's loving. It's hopeful. It makes you think about. Um, it makes you think about what you'd look back and remember about life, right? And and I thought that was really lovely as well. Uh, I found myself uh, really enjoying life insurance. Oh, I um, love that one. Yeah, I and, love and, and that I think story. Part of that is, and we've spoken about this before in the Malaysian context. I think it can feel as if writers have to choose between cultural specificity, not have to choose some of them, I feel, make a choice, um, either to be deeply culturally specific or sometimes to be so vague that we could be in California. It's just that everybody is named like Siti and Achong, but, you know, <laughs> everyone speaks like they're Americans. And so I'm always very appreciative of writers who manage to capture cultural particularities without necessarily it turning into either something that feels um, just like a like a parody or without it feeling like it's leaning on it. And, and I was very appreciative of that story because I think it struck that exact balance and, and chord. Um, but the story that I found myself thinking about a lot, and, and this surprised me by the end of the book, um, was Silica Dust Silica sky. And I think that's because it's a pitch perfect science fiction that is also a love story that's also a kind of a warning shot to our country. I love that one. Um, I mean, we've talked about this on the show before. I'm a real sci-fi nut. I actually didn't expect that we would be getting Actually, this amount of speculative fiction in yeah, this collection. Yeah, and, and I loved it. Silica Sky, Silica Dust is is perfect. It's one of those perfect sci-fi short stories. Um, and it's rooted in real characters. I think that's, that's what works about it. Because the premise of it is, um, the premise of it is in a sort of 
realistically Mad Max version of the country, mm-hmm. right? Where where certain things are where we've plundered our way into dirty air, dirty water, where the haves and have-nots are separated by these sorts of things. Um, but it's told through the story of an aspiring an aspiring couple. And yet the struggles that they have are actually the struggles of, I think, most working couples in Malaysia now, just kind of trying to make ends meet in Malaysia. That one was one of the ones, and I know I said it was a perfect short story. I would happily read a full book. I would happily watch a movie set in that world, just because there's so much about the world building that works so well. Um, we have just a couple of minutes left, and I wanted to ask, I mean, we've we've sort of been rousingly positive about this collection. Mm. Any criticism at all? Anything that didn't quite work? Not for me, actually. Um, I, I realised that that sounds like a cop-out, but I don't think that there was a story... Look, I'm sure if I were to sit down with it, you know, what every author wants, right? Let's, let's have a reader glass. sit down and try and find something wrong. Um, no, but I, I actually thought that maybe the highest praise I can give it is that We've established it's beautifully written. Um, it's very imaginative. A lot of the stories are really wonderful to, to read and spend time with. But I think the main thing for me was that I did not feel that it struck a false chord. Th- that was the main thing. Um, I completely agree. I also think that it has become a little bit of a thing, particularly in the Malaysian local context, for writers to put out short story collections um, and for writers to use the short story as almost a training ground before they publish something, quote unquote, larger, right? I think it's a real pleasure to read a collection where that's not the case, where each story really earns its keep. Each story is trying to do something particular and every story in the collection is strong and stands on its own right. Um, and, and I think that's something quite special, um, especially if you've read as many collections as we have, you know, whether for the show or for, for leisure um, and something that feels so local and homegrown as well. Yeah, um, uh, the celebration of the short story as an art form in its own right, I think, is, is a thing of beauty. We've been talking about Sheely Ko's latest collection of short stories, Bone Weight and Other Stories. Let us know, have you read it yet? Are you a fan of her work? You can WhatsApp us 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio, write to us at buythebook at bfm.my. us to footnotes. Uh, Just a quick one today. We are talking about the uh, Booker Prize, which was very recently announced. Um, And that went to Prophet Song, which is a novel by Paul Lynch. Neither of us have read it, even though we did read a couple of uh, Booker nominees a little earlier this year. And um, this one, I have to say, sounds simultaneously fascinating and a little bit daunting. It does. Uh, So it is a book that imagines a Republic of Ireland that is falling into totalitarianism um, and specifically is told from the point of view of uh, a woman named Eilish Stack who is a mother of four and who is therefore kind of trying to hold things together even as Ireland is slipping away into into authoritarianism fundamentally. And I think what's interesting about it is that it's set in the near future. So it it is not saying that this is something that could happen in, you know, 200 years. Instead, it's, it's taking a cue, I think, from the, from the, the general, 
swing towards the right that's happening globally. So that's one thing. Um, the other thing is that the author has said that he was inspired by um, the Syrian civil war, uh, by the refugee crisis that resulted from that. So it's very recent um, points of information that are being drawn into this fiction. There are a couple of things that people have been talking about when it comes to this book. Um, one of the the most common descriptions I've heard of is, or rather the thing that people are making a big deal about, is the fact that it resolutely avoids paragraphs. Um, so there are sections and chapters, but each section or chapter is written entirely as a sort of odd. I've read excerpts. It's a, a weird... No differentiation between when people are speaking and when it's uh, an omniscient narrator. Um, you know, sort of things start and stop in between without you quite knowing whether someone has finished saying. Is it is it exterior voice or interior voice? It's it's one of those books that you can't you can't read casually while on a beach while music is in the background. It's the kind of book you need to give a lot of attention to, at least from the bits I, I looked at. Um, I kind of want to read it just to see if I agree. <laughs> no, I, no I, I get it, right? Yeah. Um, winning the Booker is one. He's he's given interviews talking about how he wrote that way because he wanted to capture the relentlessness yes, and the, the claustrophobia, the claustrophobia of being trapped in the situation, and often that those kinds of lofty stylistic choices can go either way la, because on the one hand it could totally work on the other hand it could feel a little bit like form over function uh, this is also maybe my theme of the day but I wish I didn't know that exactly yeah I, I that's sometimes the problem with these Booker Prize winners right? you, you kind of hear a little too much about how people think this is the definitive novel of our generation and the stylistic choices are excellent and then you read it and you're like oh, I wish I'd come into this cold um but do you think you're gonna read it i will um god i sound awful um i will wait for it to drop in price and then i'll probably <laughs> pick up a copy um and read it because i i am very curious um i have enjoyed irish writing in the past so that there are a lot of things here that i'm interested in i just also have hesitation because um because Stylistic choices. So, look, I'm not going to read it before Christmas. Maybe we'll put it that way. I don't think that this is going to be <laughs> not my year-end holiday read. read. Exactly. I just wanted to say that as someone who spent most of my life reading dystopian fiction and having quote unquote serious book critics look their look at look down their nose at dystopia, the fact that books like these are now finally being taken seriously um, and 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 you know, winning the Booker Prize makes me quite excited. Yes, there is that. If I'm being honest, the excerpts I've read have not made me excited about wanting to read the book. But that said, I feel like I might give it a go again when I have some headspace and time. So a rousing... Maybe. So, maybe. <laughs> yes, yes. About this year's Booker Prize winner, Paul Lynch's Prophet Song. Uh, but let us know, have you read it? Do you think it earned the award? You can WhatsApp us, 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Write to us at buythebook at bfm.my. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.